Hello and welcome to Z Formula E podcast hosted by me, Humora Ruth. I hope you're doing great. I hope you're doing lovely. And if it's not going well for you, take it to the Lord in prayer. Welcome to Z Formula E podcast. And today's episode, I am going to be reviewing round five of the ABB FIA Formula E World Championship. That was the race that took place on the 24th of April, 2021. So if you missed it, sit back relax i'm literally going to take you through the entire race and if you watched it enjoy as we recap some of the most dramatic things and some of the most pleasing things that we saw in the race some are not so pleasing some are pleasing but that's racing for sure it was exciting loved it and i hope you enjoy it Enjoy it and enjoyed it as much as I did and still do. Now, in Valencia, this time round in Formula E, we've had a lot of double headers. We had a double header in Divia. Those were the first two races of the season. Then a double header in Rome. Those were the first two race, the second two races of the season. And now we've, we're going to have a double header in Valencia, 24th of April and the 25th of April. So, so, so far, we've done four rounds of racing. Those are four races. Two in Diria, two in Rome, and we're going to do two in Valencia. And um, um, the Jagger, one thing to notice, the team that's on top of their game the most to me is the Jaguar team and the Mercedes team. Because the Jaguar drivers have been on the podium in three of the four rounds. That is amazing work done right there. And they even had their first double podium of the season. Aside from that, both the Jaguar drivers, the DST Cheetah drivers, and the Mercedes EQ drivers are in the top 10 drivers' championship, which goes to show you how you know powerful these teams are, Mercedes and Jaguar and DST Cheetah. There's a really, really, really good teams. Anyway, we are off for round five in Valencia at the circuit Ricardo Tomo. Now, this circuit has always been a testing venue that had never held a Formula E race until today. And... Um, it's now going to be, I think, a permanent Formula E circuit holding Spanish races in Formula E. Prior to that, it was always a testing ground for Formula E. And even aside from Formula E, it was mainly made for two-wheel, um, I was going to say two-wheel cars, but for two-wheel motorsport. I'm talking about something like MotoGP, two-wheel motorsport. So you find that the track is a bit different. For example, the curbs on the side. You know the curbs, um, the edge of the track, those curbs that you know... Show you when a car is off track limits and still on the track. Those they're usually marked with maybe say red, green, and white, something like that. Those curbs are particularly low on this track because it was predominantly made for two wheel driving. And with two wheel driving, you want the curbs to be as low as possible because by the time a bike is you know going off the track, you don't want it to have such a huge hump in order for it to bounce so high in the air. So the lower the curb, the lower probably you know the impact of an accident could be and when it comes to like motorsport four-wheel cars you, the cab is usually raised a bit higher than that because um you're in a car it's it's much more safer so but anyway i think it came in handy that the cabs were low because it was a wet race and so you're going to really enjoy it and um, we also started the race with a safety car because um, it was a wet track and drivers had no experience really on this track apart from, you know, testing and practice. So it was better to start behind the safety car, but we'll get into that later. Now, the track itself is 3,370 kilometers long. It has about 15 tons with a tack mode on turn 8. And this time around, 
on this track drivers are meant to lose less time during the attack mode here because in rome you'd lose about four minutes it would it was supposed to be about four minutes when you take on attack mode although you'd get extra power so this attack mode was meant for you to lose less time now it was a wet track but i love the fact that um formula e doesn't change tires so like other motorsport, what other motorsport racing series, you know, you have to change wet tires to dry tires to this and that. But in Formula E, you use the same tires, so that makes it pretty easier to, you know, do a race without spending so much time pitting or stopping to get your tires changed. Now, speaking about tires, in qualifying, I'll get into qualifying a bit later. But in qualifying, Stoffel Van Dorn was meant to start on pole position after qualifying. But he was instead pushed to the back of the grid. And that was because um, in Formula E, you have to declare the set of tires you're using before the race. And you actually use the set of tires that you've declared. But Stoffel Van Dorn, I don't know, it's his team or it was, I think it's his team. I don't think the driver just does a declaration. Declared um, a certain type of tires and actually used a different one during the qualifying. And so he was penalized by pushing him to start at the back of the grid. But when Stoffel Van Dorn was talked to it about it, he said it, it was something, I think it was like a, a tiny mistake because these tires have like barcodes. So you declare a barcode on a piece of paper. Of course, you say the tires you're using barcode number, you write down the number. So I think they they wrote one number wrong. It probably would have been, was a digit wrong. And they used a tire that had a different number. So that's how he got penalized. But, you know, like Daniel Ricciardo said in Formula 1, someone's bad day is another person's great day. So, this time around, it was the first time for Antonio Felix, Antonio Felix da Costa to start on pole position, his highest qualifying position so far. So, it was a bad day for Stoffel Van Dorn in qualifying. It was a great day for Antonio Felix da Costa. Now, that's not... All that happened to the Mercedes EQ Formula E team. Nick DeFries also had a five-place grid penalty that came as a result of the last lap he had in round um, four that was in Rome. Remember in round four Rome, if you didn't watch the race or if you watched the race and you still want to recap it, it's still on this podcast um, channel. Just, by the way, subscribe and review the podcast. It helps a lot. But just go back to the previous podcast um, where... In Rome, and I talked about that on the final laps. Um, Nick DeFries um, crashed into the last turn. He crashed, and uh, I think he crashed into the wall. Yeah, I remember he crashed into the wall alongside Sambad. Sambad also got affected, and Oliver Roland. It was like a sandwich. So Nick DeFries with the, was the first one on the wall. Sambad in the middle, and Oliver Roland at the, uh, uh, on the other end. But Oliver Roland survived it. I don't know. That guy just survived a lot of crashes in the previous race, and he caused a few of them. But yeah, he's, he just spun around and continued to finish the race. But uh, Nick DeFries couldn't finish the race and neither could Sam Bard. And because of that, he got a five-place grid penalty. Yes. Now, let's get into um, the qualifying lineup. But before we do that... Before we go any further into the show, thank you so much for listening to Z Formula E Podcast. Now, you probably love motorsport, which means you probably love Formula 1 as well. And if that's the case, why not listen to my brand new Formula 1 podcast called ZF1 Amateur? That's right, just Google ZF1 Amateur Podcast 
or go to your favorite podcasting platform and in the search bar, type in ZF1 Amateur Podcast and you'll be sure to have Formula One right by your side. In addition to that, you know I'm Ugandan and I love everything about Uganda. I love sharing about the beauty of Uganda, which is why I have a podcast dedicated to the beauty of Uganda. The name of the podcast is Z Humura Show. Just Google Z Humura Show or type into your podcasting platforms search bar Z Humura Show and you'll be sure to enjoy it. Okay, back to Formula E. <laughs> Welcome back from that short break. So he is qualifying in on pole position. Antonio Felix da Costa. He's never started on pole, but well done to him. In P2, uh, Maximilian Gunter. P3, Alex Lean for Mahendra. That has been his best qualifying position in a very, very long time. P4, Sebastian Buemi for the Nissan E. E Dams team P5 Andre Lotera P6 Norman Nato guy who studied P2 in the previous race but it had a lot of trouble P7 Nick DeFries for Mercedes EQ P8 Oliver Rowland P9 Pascal Werlein P10 Nick Cassidy who was also in on pole in Rome P11 Alexander Sims who finished on the podium in Rome P12 Jean Eric Van finished on the podium in Rome P13 Jake Dennis for BMW P14 Rene Russ P15 Robin Fines for Inversion Virgin Racing P16 Eduardo Motara P17 Mitch Evans for the Jaguar team P18 Sajo City Kamara P19 Tom Blumkist P20, Sam Bud. P21, Lucas DeGrassi for Audi Sport. P22, Nico Muller. P23, Oliver Tavi. And P24, Stoffel Vandon. He was at the back of the grid because of the penalty we talked about. Now, let's get into the race. 45 minutes plus a lap. And it's starting behind a safety car because the drivers have no experience on this track, let alone in the wet. It was a bit wet in the race. All right, so the race begins with a safety car. And uh, remember, Formula E uses all-weather tires, so there's no need for pitting, which is a good thing. And, and I think it makes it makes race it makes the drivers pay more attention to the racing. Anyway, so the safety car resigns with forty three minutes left on the clock. Remember, we race for forty five minutes, and a lap. Now, forty one minutes left on the clock. Lucas De Grazzi gets a ten second stop and go time penalty for a gearbox change. Now, initially, he was supposed to serve a twenty place grid drop, but because he qualified, I think. Yeah, he qualified P21. That he there was no way he was actually going to drop 20 places on the grid, so he got a 10 second stop and go penalty. So that's what happened. And then Nico Muller also got a drive through penalty within the same minutes, and uh, the racing was on. It was a wet track, there was a lot of mist, a lot of spray everywhere. At a point, I was like, How were these people able to see? But anyway, it wasn't that bad in the beginning. In fact, there, there was a point it was like, is it safe to race? Is it not safe to race? Sometimes I'm a bit of a coward, but anyway, I do love my racing. Now, as they were racing, still 40 minutes left on the clock. Sebastian Buemi almost slipped onto the gravel. He narrowly missed. He almost touched the gravel as he was taking a turn, some sort of like wide turn, but he, 
miss the gravel thankfully i also love the fact that this circuit was a bit wider so it's safer to race on in on a wider circuit when it's wet than on a narrow circuit when it's wet so sebastian Buemi almost slipped into the gravel but he survived and um the cars i don't know i think because formula e cars literally have the same machinery underneath them but the cars were really quite close to each other at a certain point and sebastian Buemi, who was like p4 and he had uh, Andre Lotera in P5 and um, Norman Nato in P6 were quite close behind him. So what happened is that uh, Norman Nato, Andre Lotera were literally going at it wheel to wheel. It was um, Andre Lotera on the inside and Norman Nato on the outside. And they were going wheel to wheel with Sebastian Buemi ahead of them. Now they go straight and they take this turn. I'm sorry about that vibration. They they take a very sharp turn. That turn is very sharp. I think in the future formula is going to have to do something about it because it's very tight. It's very it's very it's very sharp. It almost feels unsafe. And so Sebastian Buemi is taking his turn. They're racing on the left. He's supposed to take the turn on the right. And as he's taking his turn, Norman Nato and Andre Lotera are at his back and they're racing wheel to wheel. And as he's about to finish the turn, Norman Nato, who is on the inside, together with Andre Lotera, they, they reach, they get close to him. Actually, it's Andre Lotera who is on the inside and Andre Lotera pushes knocks um sebastian buemi as he takes a turn so sebastian buemi ends up on the gravel of the track he spins and ends up caught in the gravel of the track now what happens is sebastian buemi's rear tires are caught into the gravel and his front tires are still on the circuit and it was a turn it was at a turn now no man at all continued the race andre lotua continued the race the other cars moved on in fact there's a there was an envision virgin racing car that went around you know the 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 turn because of Sebastian Buemi's position in the gravel. Sebastian Buemi was literally stuck there for like two minutes, which prompted a full course yellow flag that was called later on in the race. We'll talk about that. But I think that turn is super, super, super sharp. And the fact that we were racing in the rain, the vision wasn't that good. I felt like it was quite scary to watch. And anyway, 40 minutes left on the clock. Alexander Sims moved from P11 after overtaking Nick Cassidy, Pascal Wireline, and I think Oliver Roland. And to to he moved from P11 to P7 after overtaking those guys. Nick DeFries was also in P7, moved to P4, leaving Alex Lean, Max Ganter, and Antonio Felix da Costa in front of him. Now, Alex Lean was on fire. He was pushing this car as far as it could go. And he desperately wanted to take P P2. I understand that. I think this is the best qualifying position he has had in a very long time. He qualified P3. And wanting to win would have been pretty nice. Because he had a bit of misfortune in the Deria races and the races thereafter. Salak so Lin tries to push really hard and ends up on the outside of uh, Maximilian Ganter and therefore he fails to overtake. Not therefore, but when you're on the outside of another car and you're trying to overtake them, you're less likely to be able to overtake them unless you're, you have really good pace, pace better than the car that you're trying to overtake. So naturally, he fails to overtake him. 40 minutes into the race and... We have a full course yellow flag that's called out. And that was because of Sebastian Buemi, who was still stuck in the gravel at a sharp turn. And Andrew Lotero had left him there. Not that he was meant to pick him up, but that's where he had been 
left. And you know what I said before? Somebody's bad day is another person's good day. Nico Muller served his 10-second penalty under the yellow flag. That was a good day. So he didn't miss out much. It's really hard to serve a 10-second penalty while the other cars are racing and you're out there you know standing for 10 seconds that's really hard but if it's under the yellow flag that's much easier and then 30 minutes left on the clock and we had the safety car out it was antonio felix de costa who was in first position max milan Gantz in second position alex lynn in third position nick defies in fourth position norman nato in the fifth position oliver roland in the sixth position Alexander Sims in the seventh position, Pascal Werlein in the eighth position, Andrew Lotterer in the ninth position, Nick Cassidy in the tenth position, in the eleventh place, Rene Russ, twelfth place, Jean Eric Van, thirteenth place, Robin Frines, fourteenth place, Eduardo Motara, fifteenth place, Jake Dennis, sixteenth place, Mitch Evans, seventeenth place, Sajo Sete Kamara, eighteenth place, Sam Bird, nineteenth place, Tom Blumkist, twentieth place, Oliver Tavi, twenty first place, Stoffel Van Dorn, who had moved up from the twenty fourth place, twenty second place, Nico Muller, twenty third place, Lucas Di Grassi, and the twenty fourth place was to Sebastian Buemi, who wasn't racing at all, given the fact that he was stuck in the gravel. And um, it's fair to say that even Andre Lotera's nose, the front part of the car, had also been damaged, but he was still able to race. 36 minutes left on the clock, and it was starting to rain harder than it had been raining at the start of the race. There was a lot of mist. I don't even know how the drivers were able to see. And anyway... That's racing for you. These guys are trying to do that, but it was a lot of mist. It was very blurry. If you could see the visors of a driver, there was a lot of raindrops in them. And if if you were like in the middle position, in the middle of the grid, you had cars in front of you spraying a lot of mist at you, and your visor already has raindrops on it. So it was quite blurry. Anyway, 35 minutes left on the clock. The safety car resigned, and we were back to full racing. I think the only person who had proper visibility was Antonio Felix da Costa, the race leader, because there were no cars in front of him to spray any, you know, water or mist onto him. Back to racing. Nick defies wasting no time by putting pressure on Alex Lynn. In fact, it was like, how can this guy see? Because it was Nick defies fighting so hard to overtake Alex Lynn, who was ahead of him. And ahead of Alex Lynn, it was very close racing. Ahead of Alex Lynn was Max Ganter. So all of those cars were spraying so much, is it water, so much water into the air. And it's like, how on earth is Nick defies able to see? But he put a lot of pressure on Alex Lynn and I think Alex Lynn did feel it. Alex Lynn on his hand was attacking Max Ganter to take the second position but he failed to secure the inside of a corner which left Max Ganter still safe in his third position. Meanwhile ahead Antonio Felix de Costa was a bit safe with 1.6 seconds gap difference between him and um, the person in second position who was Max Ganter. At the bottom of the grid, 33 minutes left, Stoffel van Dorn moved, um, from P19, moved from P21 to P19. That was good for him. You know, he started 
P24. It was a tough race for him. Um, Robin Fines gained P12 from P13. Unfortunately, Rene Rust dropped from P11 to P22. That was a dramatic drop. Lucas Degassi moved from P23 to P21. Now, 32 minutes left on the clock. Nick DeFry's race engineer comes on and tells him that he has got good pace to overtake um, Alex Lean and Max Gunter. And guess what? Nick DeFry didn't waste any time. As soon as the race engineer finished that sentence nick defies went on the inside went on the outside of alex lane and overtook him to take p3 so it was nick defies p3 maximilian ganza p2 da costa p1 now the fact that a race car driver can go on the outside of another car and actually overtake them that means the car has very very good pace and the driver is pretty pretty great and so well done to nick defies Aside from Nick DeFries moving up, the top 10 hadn't changed much by then. And um, Alex Lean was still putting in the pressure, trying to get on the inside of Nick DeFries, but he actually failed because Nick DeFries defended his inside. I think Nick had very good pace this race. He was very good at driving in the wind, and he also had the pace. Alex Lean desperately wanted to get that position again. Now, Oliver Roland... So it was close racing. Let's start with that. So it was um, Oliver Roland was in P6, Nomanato was P5, and Alex Lean had just moved to P4 after Nick Defies had overtaken him. But the distance between Alex Lean's car and uh, Nomanato's car was very, very small. In fact, they almost looked, felt like as though they could touch each other on a certain street. And Oliver Roland was racing really hard. In fact, Oliver Roland came on the outside of Nomanato. And as those two cars were going wheel to wheel, Alex Lean was actually at the front of them. So much that Oliver Roland's I think rear front touched the back of Alex Lane's car. That's how close it was. But anyway, Oliver Roland managed to go on the out managed to overtake Nomanato from the outside and he managed to take up the position, putting him in P five and pushing Nomanato to P six. Thirty two minutes left on the clock. At the bottom of the grid, Tom Blumkist, who was occupying P19, and Oliver Torvi, who had occupied P20, both used their attack mode. I think they were the first drivers to do that. And at the top of the grid, Nick DeFries was still at it, overtaking Max Ganter and now placing himself in P2 with Max Ganter P3 and Antonio Felix da Costa in P1. Still, Alex Lin is fighting for that P3 position and he manages to overtake Max Gunter. So that puts him in P3 after being in P4. What happens is Alex Lin goes on the outside of Max Gunter on a, on, a, on a straight as they get closer to a turn. And obviously, he's on the outside of Max Gunter, so he doesn't manage to overtake Max Gunter on that softer turn. But the thing about this circuit, I think it has right and left turns. So. He's on the outside of Max Ganter on turn, on a certain turn. Let's call it turn A. And they race wheel to wheel for a while. And when they go to turn, when they get to turn B, because um, Lin was on the outside on the other turn, on this turn B, he's on the inside. And so he manages to take P3 position from Max Ganter. And anyway, he looks like he has, at that point, he looked like he had the right pace going in. 30 minutes left on the clock and it was Antonio Felix de Costa in first place, Nick Defy second place, 
Alex in third place, Max Ganter fourth place, Oliver Roland fifth place, sixth place with Alexander Sims, Norman Nato in seventh, Pascal Wireline in eighth, Andre Lotter in ninth, Nick Cassidy in tenth, Robin Fines in eleventh, Jean Eric Van in twelfth, Eduardo Motara thirteenth, Jake Dennis fourteenth, Mitch Evans fifteenth, Sergio City Kamara sixteenth, Stoffel Van Dorn seventeenth, Tom Blumkist eighteenth, nineteenth place was Sam Bard, twentieth place Oliver Tappy, twenty first place Lucas De Gratti, twenty second place Rene Rust, twenty third place Nico Muller, twenty fourth place Sebastian Buemi. Now Still within that same minute, the yellow flag is pulled out at turn four because Lucas Degrassi and Nico Muller wind up, wound up, found themselves on the gravel at that particular turn. But they managed to get themselves out of the gravel. And elsewhere, at the top of the grid, Max Ganter attacked it. Ah, attacked it. <laughs> Activated his attack mode. At the top of the grid, he was among the first people to do that. And he never lost a position, which is something I told you about this track in the beginning. The Valencia circuit um makes you lose less time when it comes to attack mode as opposed to other circuits so max ganta p4 activates his attack mode and still comes out in front of oliver wireline less time loses no position i love this attack mode i love it and yet he still gains his extra power 29 minutes left on the clock Pascal Wireline moves to P7 from P8 after overtaking Nomanato. On the downside, Robin Franz, who was in P11, he drops to P14. And on the good side, Jake Dennis, who was P14, moves up a position. Now, race control also announces within that exact minute that Andre Lotterer was to serve a drive through penalty for causing a collusion. Now, we talked about the collusion he caused, which affected Sebastian Buemi, which reminds me, at the bottom of the grid, it was Sebastian Buemi in the 24th place, 23rd place, Nico Mola, 22nd place, Rene Ras, 21st place, Lucas Di Grazzi, and 20th place, Sergio Sete Camara. 19th place still was Sambad, 18th place, Oliver Tavi was still there, 17th place, Tom Blumkist, 16th place was Stoffel Van Don, who had moved up a position, and 15th place was Jean Eric Vaughn. In 28 minutes in and the top of the grid all at once, as if all at once, but within the same minute, just a second or two apart from each other, they all decide to take attack mode. Felix De Costa, Nick DeFries, Alex Lean, Max Ganter, uh, Oliver Roland, and Alexander Sims. Oh, those are the top six all take attack mode at the same time. And it's still very close, close racing. The cars don't have such a big gap between them. Now, Max Ganter, who was in P4, drops down to P6, leaving Alexander Sims, Oliver Roland, Alex Lean, Nick DeVries, Nick De and Antonio Felix da Costa ahead of him with 24 minutes left on the clock. And within that same minute, guess what happened? Max Ganter is in the gravel stuck after colliding with the barrier. And that makes him drop from P6 to P23. What a huge, huge drop. And bear in mind, the previous last, I think, nine races, I think Max crashed out 
I think he crushed seven or six of them, plus this one. So that's that's a lot of rush crashes that he has had, and yet he was doing quite well. But anyway, elsewhere, um, Eduardo Motara had made up eight places. He qualified P16 and at the moment was in P8. Stoffel Van Dorn made up 11 places. He had qualified P24 and was now P13. Nick de Vries had made up five places. He had qualified P7 and was up to P2. Now, I told you the Mercedes AQ team was a strong, strong team. I don't know if if it wasn't for I don't know circumstances out of their control, these people would be winning every race literally, and um and twenty three minutes left on the clock and the safety car comes in and it comes out with twenty minutes left on the clock now. Mahindra Racing did activate the attack mode during the safety car. I don't know why they did that, but it was actually brilliant. And uh, it worked out well for them. A minute later, 19 minutes left in the clock, Eduardo Motara suddenly drops from P8 to P17. Quite unfortunate there for Eduardo Motara. Anyway, at the bottom of a grid, Max Ganta and Sebastian Buemi are out of the race. With 16 minutes left on the clock, in the last place, which is P22, it's Rene Rust. P21, Tom Blumkist. P20, Andre Lotterer. P19, uh, Eduardo Motara. P18, Nico Muller. P17, Lucas de Grazzi. P16, Oliver Tavi. P15, Generic Van. P14, Sergio Sete Camara. P13, Sam Bad. P12, Stoffel Van Dorn. P11, Jake Dennis. P12, sorry, P10, Mitch Evans. P9, Nick Cassidy. P8, Robin Fines. P7, Pascal Wireline. P6, Norman Nato. P5, Oliver Rowland, P4, Alex Lean, P3, Alexander Sims, P2, Nick Device, and in first place, Antonio Felix da Costa. Now, with 15 minutes left on the clock, Sergio Sete Camara found himself in the gravel, which made him drop from P14 to P22. 14 minutes, 14 minutes left on the clock, Stoffel Van Dorn also lost places from P12 to P19. Within the same minutes, Mitch Evans also dropped to P19 from being P10 on the grid. And what happened was um, Mitch Evans activated, I think, attack mode and then ended up colliding with Sergio Sete Camara and then ended up pitting, which caused him to lose all those positions. Now, Stoffel Van Dorn is on the gravel, and that's the reason as to why he loses positions like he did. Mitch Evans also drops to P21. He actually... Pits and gets out of the car. Sergio Setekamara also pits and gets out of the car because of a collusion that they had prior. Now, nine minutes left on the clock. Antonio Felix da Costa has one attack mode left. And remember, usually with attack mode, you lose places. But I told you, the Valencia circuit, I don't know, it, it was designed in such a way that you lose less time when you do opt for attack mode. Now, nine minutes left on the clock. Da Costa takes his attack mode, his last attack mode, and it almost looks as though Nick DeVries can overtake him and take the first position, but he actually fails to because Felix loses no positions. Seven minutes left on the clock, Pascal Wehrlein drops into the gravel and loses a position. In fact, in fact, he fits and drops down from, from P7 to P14 with only six minutes left on the clock. Within that same minute, 
with six minutes left on the clock, that exact minute, Lotera gets stuck in the gravel and also drops to the 20th position, which prompts the safety car to come out with five minutes left. And I think in the entire race, we had about five safety cars. That's that's a lot of safety cars. But it's exciting. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. So what happened with Lotera is that Lotera was, it was almost close, wheel to wheel, Lotera and Motara together. But Lotera actually knocked Motara and Motara ended up spinning onto the gravel. And Lotera also found himself on the gravel. So both the cars were on the gravel which explained their position drop. Three minutes left on the on the clock in the pits is Eduardo Motara, who is currently P18. Pascal Wella and also pits, he's P19. Well, Pascal pits and gets out of the race because of safety issues that he had with his brakes. Andre Lotera, Mitch Evans, Sergio Sese Camara, Max Gunter, and Sebastian Buemi are all out of the race. And um, one person... Meanwhile, the safety car is still in. One person who was scary to watch at the moment was Norman Nato because he was in P9 and he only had 17% left and that was the energy that he had left. And the other drivers had a minimum of 20% left in terms of power. Now that was worrying. That's very low and you're, you know, you're closer to the bottom of that place. Anyway, 1 minute 40 seconds left on the clock. Stoffel van Dorn in P14 is given a 5 second penalty for causing a collision. It was a tough race for a lot of people. Now, the safety car goes out with only 24 seconds left on the clock. So now the racing resumes. One lap left. I think about one, no, I think about 20 seconds and then a lap left. No, man. No, it shouldn't. Oh, sorry about that. I, I had even forgotten the microphone was on. Now, one lap left, and Norman Nato is left with 0.2% energy, and he automatically loses positions. He drops from P9 to P17 at the bottom. And to be honest, <laughs> you know how it ends. He definitely didn't finish the race. 0.2% of energy. That's very, very little energy left. And one more lap still. Antonio Felix da Costa, the race leader, is on 2%. Nick DeFry is on 5% energy. Alex, Alexander Sims, Oliver Roland, Robin Fines are left with 2% energy. Nick Cassidy is left with 3% energy. Alex Lynn is left with 1% energy. Sam Bard, Jake Dennis, Oliver Tavia are left with 1% energy. Nico Muller has 5% energy. Lucas Degrassi, Generic Vaughan, Tom Blumkist, has, they all have 1% energy left. Stoffel Van Dorn has 4% energy left. Rene Ross has 3% energy left. Norman Nato at this point has 0.1% of energy left. And I read them all in the order that they were leading the race. It was the Costa who was leading the race at that point. Nick DeFries in second. Alexander Sims in third. Oliver Rowland in fifth. Robin Fines in sixth. Nick Cassidy seventh. Alex Lean in eighth. Somebody ninth. Jake Dennis in tenth. Oliver Tavi eleventh. Nico Muller twelfth. Lucas DeGrasse in thirteenth. Generic Van in fourteenth. Tom Blumkist in thirteenth. Stoffel Van Dorn in fourteenth. Rene Russ in fifteenth. And Norman Nato in sixteenth. Now on the final lap, Nick defies obviously with ease overtakes Antonio Felix de Costa because he has more power. And in fact, 
He's told not to worry about anyone behind him by his race engineer. Now, the person behind him was Oliver Tavi with 0.0% of energy left. Felix da Costa had dropped. He had 0.4 energy left. Behind him was Alexander Sims with 0% energy left. Nico Muller was behind Sims with 2% energy left. Tom, Tom Blomkest had been, was left with 0.0% energy. Nick Cassidy behind him with 1% energy. Jake Dennis and Oliver Tavi with 0.0% percent energy left some bard behind them with 0.2 percent energy left robin fines had one percent energy left stoffel van Doen had two percent energy left generic fan had 0.6 percent of energy left now i think the mercedes team manages their power quite well and i think that's what helped them finish the race pretty pretty beautifully and i think it was only 12 drivers that managed to finish this race now on the final lap the two new york cars actually stopped the they couldn't go any further the cars ran out of power and they stopped on the track though those were the cars belonging to oliver tavi and tom blumkist now when the checkered flag came out it was nick defies who had finished the race oliver roland came in second behind him and so did alexander sims come third behind him but the thing is they came third with 0.01 percent energy so that means technically if you if you're in a race and you have 0.01 percent energy you have not finished the race because you actually have no power to keep going so the results were changed and so here are the results in first position the man who won the race his second win of the season and he had not finished the two races in rome the man on the first <laughs> oh I had forgotten sorry about that i kept saying that um Alexander Sims and Oliver Roland had 0.01% left but they actually had 0.0% energy left and even if so even if they crossed in P2 and P3 they were disqualified from the race because they had no power left anyway here are now the full race results first place Nick defies he got his second win of the season. Second place went to Nico Muller. Third place, Stoffel van Dorn. Fourth place, Nick Cassidy. Fifth place, Rene Rast. Sixth place, Robin Freins. Seventh place, Lucas de Grazzi. Eighth place, Jake Dennis. Ninth place, Jean-Eric Van. Tenth place, Oliver Roland. Eleventh place, Alexander Sims. Twelfth place, Felix de Costa. Thirteenth place, Alex Lean. Fourteenth place, Sam Bad. Fifteenth place, Oliver Tavi, Tom Blumkist finished in 16th place, Norman Nato 17th place, 18th place was Eduardo Motara, 19th place, Pascal Werlein, 20th place, Andre Lotera, 21st place, Mitch Evans, 22nd place, Sergio Sete Camara, 23rd place, Max Gunter, 24th place, Sebastian Buemi. But you have to remember, from the 10th place downwards, all those drivers were disqualified. So from Oliver Rowland, Alexander Sims, Dacosta, Alex Lean, Sambard, Oliver Tavi, Tom Blumkist, Norman Nato, Eduardo Motara, Pascal Werlein, Andre Lotera, Mitch Evans, Sergio Sete Camara, Max Ganta, and Sebastian Buemi, all of those drivers were disqualified. So... I don't know if that hit you like a bomb, but it did hit me. So, yes, the top nine drivers were Nico Defra... I just called him Nico Defrides. Nick Defrides, Nico Muller, Stoffel van Don, Nick Cassidy, Rene Russ, Robin Freins, Lucas Dugatti, Jake Dennis, and Eric Jean Van. <laughs> it's a first division for Jean Eric Van, but yes, those were the drivers that finished the race. It was an interesting race where... 
we had five safety cars it was a wet track a lot of people were going off track there was a lot of wheel to wheel action in the ra- in the rain the racing was so close in fact if you could you can rewatch this race it was quite interesting and uh, we had nine drivers you know finish fully without any disqualifications and the other drivers being disqualified now that was a bomber i don't know about you but that hit me hard and for nick device to win his race this race was was you know pretty amazing because the last two races in rome he didn't finish in fact the last race in rome where he crashed at a turn i talked about it at the beginning of the podcast he even got a penalty that he had to serve in this you know and this race in Valencia, Stoffel van Dorn began P24, finished P23. It, I, I don't know. Sometimes I learn, I take lessons from Formula E races and motorsport races. I, I see how people start from the bottom and they don't give up. And, you know, they finish further than they even dreamt. Because when I looked at Stoffel van Dorn beginning this race in P24, I was like, okay, the best he could do maybe is go to, you know, the top 10, but not finish on the podium. And this is what actually happened. And when you looked at someone like... Antonio Felix Tocosta, reigning champion, who was leading the race until the very final lap with just a few seconds to go. And he lost it and um, he finished in 12th place with, you know, being disqualified and all that. I mean, you should never give up in life. You keep fighting, you keep fighting and you keep pushing and you never know what may come out. Thank you so much for listening in. The next podcast episode is coming up and it's about the sub, the sixth round of Formula E racing that we had still in Valencia. Listen in to find out whether it was this exciting or even more exciting because it, Formula E is always exciting nevertheless. And if you'd like to get in touch, don't hesitate. My telephone number is plus 256 three or you can find me on twitter my handle is formula one amateur on instagram my name my instagram handle is z formula e podcast until then bye bye